Artificial intelligence has been creating lots of headlines in the marketing communications world for the last couple of years, but there's still little understanding of what it can actually do. So what is AI exactly? Some kind of software-enabled program being able to crunch the data for you at a speed that our human brains you know, are not able to do. And for you then as the person that then analyzes that to make sense of it, I talk in my book about the personalization paradox and actually AI can augment human intelligence and make us more human. Katie King has just published Using Artificial Intelligence in Marketing, a book that seeks to illustrate both the progressive and the poor uses of AI technology. The book is getting rave reviews with Verdict voting it as one of the top five books on AI in business. So why hasn't AI really taken off yet? I think we're quite scared of technology. It's still a little bit early and the media hasn't helped. But one of the people in my book talks about AI as that drug you've not yet tasted. And once you get a flavour of it, you're going to want more and more and more. Now, it all sounds very exciting and hugely beneficial. But AI technologies are now at the very peak of Gartner's hype cycle. And there's seemingly little evidence of people on the ground actually taking it seriously. So the question is, isn't it all just hype? Do we really need to bother with AI? There has been hype for a few years. If you are comfortable where you're at in your market sector and you're confident that your competitors are not taking advantage of new generation technologies for competitive advantage, if you're confident someone can't come in and take away your business because of that, then sit tight, don't do anything. But most of us are not in that luxurious position of saying that. In today's show, Katie and I tackle some of the more challenging questions around artificial intelligence. This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. So Katie, how is your new book being received? Thank you, Paul. Really, really well. And it's a huge relief to say that, actually. I had my <laughs> big book launch in London this week. And uh, yep. yeah, fantastic. I've had um, amazing reviews from the likes of the Chartered Institute of Marketing and some big brands like Nike and Nestle, um, but also some of the less sexy sectors like the um, you know, built environment, property construction. So people at the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, those sorts of people. So yeah, relief to say very, very well indeed. <laughs> That's good to hear. I mean, I've been looking forward to this book for probably a year or so since I heard you were going to write it. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's taken you, what, 18 months to put it all together, I believe? A, a bit less, yeah, a, about a year, about a year. Yep. But as you say, you know, probably from the very kind of thought, you know, that first kind of concept, probably 18 months. But when I was actually writing it, about a year. So the book is called Using Artificial Intelligence in Marketing. And just as a quick note for anyone listening, if you hang around to the end of this podcast, I have a 20% discount code, which you can use at the Kogan Page website to get a copy of this. So, Katie, just want to explain a bit what the book is about. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. So as the title suggests, it is about how you can use AI in marketing and how you can harness all of the tools for you know, a competitive edge. But actually, it's much wider than marketing. In order to market the book well, it needs 
a niche audience and that audience really you would say are chief marketing officers or marketing professionals but given what ai is doing in business per se the book is about hr it's about sales it's about customer service so really it's a collection of case studies from all over the world from the world's leading academics big brands tech disruptors and more than that and then my analysis um wrapped up into all of that yeah, which which is an interesting angle on this because I mean the the conversation around artificial intelligence has been evolving quite rapidly over the past sort of year or so. So from my perspective, it's really interesting to be able to read a, a different angle on that mm. conversation. I think absolutely yes, I, I think it actually has. I mean, we've been AI is possible today because of. 10 years of smart technology and all of the data that from our smartphones has been viable. So, you know, when we were thinking about AI a few years ago, people were much more focused on, you know, some of the horror stories, some of the scaremongering and very sort of like limited approaches, you know, to what AI would do and would it mean we'd all be out of jobs and so on. And I think people are gradually becoming accustomed to how AI can reshape every task that they do. So whether you are a doctor or a lawyer, but you know, in our world, whether you are a, um, a marketing or a PR or an SEO professional, people are gradually realizing that there are now all of these tools out there at their disposal which can do what I call the three Ds, the dirty, dull and dangerous. You know, it can do that routine work that is quite a drudge and, uh, you know, many of the things that I guess we've had to do, particularly when we're more junior in the organisation. Yeah, it's interesting because that changing conversation which which we're talking about and how that has happened over the last, I don't know, 12 months or so. I recorded a podcast with Stephen Waddington about a year ago. At that time, we were talking about effectively getting people to realize that AI would have an impact on their jobs. And this is specific to PR. And the conversation now is more around the sort of tools that people can use. I think there's been an acceptance that AI is going to change the way we work in whatever industry we are involved in. And at Digital Download Live in May, I've got Kerry Sheehan coming along to to present some of those tools, again, specifically for PR and comms people. Is that something that you've witnessed, a greater acceptance of AI in the workplace? I think it's fair to say there is a greater acceptance. And um, I was with um, you know Stephen Waddington um, on a panel talking about that from the P- Public Relations Communications Association. Yeah. And he's quoted in my book, and so is Francis Ingham you know, from the PRCA. And yeah. they both talk about that change. Yeah. But as Francis says as well, it's actually early days because some of the big players can afford to invest time and need to be seen to be you know really looking at ai but as an industry per se public relations i think is still trying to get to grips with it and i meet pr professionals day in day out and i think it's creeping up the agenda and yes there is greater acceptance but there's not much implementation yet so it's that same point of the acceptance the conversation's changing there's less skepticism but are they actually applying it in small percentages yeah and i would say it's very very small percentages actually mm-hmm. from the people that i talk to i think as as you say people are aware of it now and aware that it is going to impact them but my perception is still that people don't really know where to turn 
I, I saw a report just this week, actually, that said that 40% of Europe's AI startups actually have no artificial intelligence in those systems at the moment, which kind of made me chuckle a bit. Yes. So one of the areas in the book really, and I quote MIT, um, Gartner, Forrester, Deloitte, there's case studies of failure and success, and there's masses of hype. Yeah. So in the book, I refer to the Gartner hype cycle, which I'm sure many listeners yeah. will be very familiar with. And AI, machine learning are at that top of the curve of the peak of inflated yes. um, expectations. So the hype, the paranoia, I interviewed people from all over the world in marketing who said, we are being mandated by our CEO to open up our shopping bag and buy AI, whether or not we need it and have a business problem to solve. And then there are many examples that you just gave of tech disruptors who've just come onto the market. They use the band of you know AI Actually, some of them are just simple um, analytics um, and automation tools, and there's no real machine learning or robotic process automation or any real AI there. So in typical PR fashion, we talk it up and there is, you know, people need to do some due diligence and some proper testing and make sure that the people that they work with, you know, are really going to be able to assist them in solving the business problem that they have. Yeah, and I mean that when you talk about the difference there, that that is my perception of what is true AI is something that has actual machine learning in it. Well, AI is a family of technologies, really. In in, in you know reality, we are AI can encompass machine learning and NLP and robotic process automation. So you know, there's all kinds of elements of it under that kind of family umbrella of AI. But it's not simple automation. If you think of some of the social media tools, you know, there is um, automation in some of those, but that's not real AI. Yeah, absolutely. Another definition that I'd heard from, I don't know if you know Neville Hobson, but he talks about augmented intelligence, which I actually really like because it it points to the way perhaps we can use these systems in the future regardless of whether we're there now. I mean, what's your response to that sort of definition? I agree. I, I um, quote a PwC extensively in the book as well and um, you know, work closely with people like Rob McCargo there. And they talk as well about augmented intelligence and this concept of moving from where we're at now, which is perhaps assisted intelligence, yep. up to augmented intelligence and ultimately you know, moving up to what they describe as autonomous intelligence, Mm -hmm. assisted tech. So what we're talking about really is exactly as you say, it's whether you are a doctor, a barrister, a PR person, some kind of software enabled program, being able to crunch the data for you at a speed that our human brains, you know, are not able to do. And for you then as the person that then analyzes that to make sense of it. So it's giving you tools to maybe that's creating content, maybe it's for market research, maybe it's, you know, programmatic advertising, whatever that might be in your PR marketing SEO world, it's augmenting. So actually, I talk in my book about the personalization paradox and actually AI can augment human intelligence and make us more human. Yeah, which which is interesting. I I want to come on to that a, a bit later, actually. Can you give some kind of examples from all the research you've done of companies who are using AI in a a broad sense and how they're benefiting from that? 
Absolutely. So the book spans different parts of the world and different industry sectors. For example, you know, you have in hospitality, um, in the restaurant sector, big brands like TGI Fridays, and I quote Sheriff Mitias, new job title. And yeah, this didn't exist years ago, but the chief experience officer okay. who works with tools like Amperity, Hypergiant, and they use those tools in a GDPR compliant way to say to their diners, give us your data freely, you know, with yep. your approval. And when you come into our restaurants, we will be able to give you a very personalized service that might be knowing you're vegan, knowing it's your child's birthday, you know, all of your different sort of preferences will be able to serve you the ads you want, will be able to give you the offers, will be able to give you that experience. So it ranges from that to airlines who are using AI with chatbots, for example, for handling, you know, queries where people in the in the airport lounge can walk up to the AI and can actually interact with it and check in and, and do all yep. sorts of wonderful things like that. You know, through to a hotel in Tokyo, which is 100% staffed by robots, you know, for everything from the um, the baggage handling to the serving of meals and so on. But then at the other end of the spectrum, a bank in Switzerland actually having a failure and saying this AI was too limited and too gimmicky and our staff felt threatened by it. And that's Saxo Bank. Okay. So many, many, many examples, you know, law, law legal companies, insurance companies and, and so on. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, or even if you're not, Digital Download Live takes place in May this year in London. This is the third year it'll be run, and it's going to be a fantastic day of presentations, audience-led Q&As, and interactive workshops. Digital Download Live is not one of those conferences where you go and sit passively in a huge auditorium listening to people talk for six hours. You'll meet like-minded individuals, you'll discuss ideas and opinions, and you'll get your hands dirty in highly practical sessions. This year we're covering topics including the conflict between technology and humanity in marketing, voice marketing through smart speakers, authority link building, AI tools for communications people, paid social media, Instagram creativity, and brand transparency. For more information and booking details, go to ddl19.co.uk. That's ddl19.co.uk. I hope to see you there. Going back to the TGI's example first, how do you think people feel about voluntarily giving data to a system like this? Because I'm divided on this. From one side of it, I can see that if I give certain data to a system and it can learn about me, it can then offer me better things in return. On the other hand, there is such a lot of fuss around data privacy at the moment and what we do give up that I think I'm loath to do it. I mean, how do you feel about that? We're doing it all the time, really, without being asked, aren't we? I think it, it's about trust. And I think with scandals like Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, we are now starting to question you know, whether they have our back, whether they truly are looking after our yep. data. But you know, day in, day out for years with cyber, you know, with social media, we've been giving up our data and the cookies and mm -hmm. so on. So you know, if it benefits me, 
I'm generally happy with it when I start to get too much spam or when I want to kind of unsubscribe or when I want to kind of opt out. I feel I can do that. Mm-hmm. Now we're at a stage with AI and I'm on the all party parliamentary group for the UK government looking at the enterprise adoption of AI. It's down to those kinds of groups. It's down to trade bodies, companies to put their own regulations and guidelines and all of that in place. So that is huge. That is a huge job. It's an international task. It requires collaboration. I think it will reshape ultimately geopolitics. So it is a massive issue. And I think in the short term, I feel that, you know, there's a lot of data that's been lost already. And I think it's it's actually, if we're going to benefit, you know, and AI is only really going to take off if it does benefit the customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a big question at the moment. Um, I, I guess it remains to be seen. But then it's easy for me to sit here as someone who works kind of in this industry, the digital industry, and question data when actually, do you know what? Most of the public probably don't care that much about it, I think. And it's an age thing as well. You know, I, I think, you know, you get a bit more sceptical, don't you? You get a little bit older. <laughs> I've always been sceptical. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think you're right, though, and I can't remember the quote who it's from, but I've seen a few surveys where people are prepared to give certain amounts of data yeah. freely, willingly, but other data they kind of keep quite guarded. So, you know, I, I understand that reluctance yeah. and down to people to reassure us and prove over time that they are looking after our data. I think that's it. I feel personally now that companies need to gain my trust. I'm not going to give my trust from the get-go, which in the past I would have, but like you say, it could be just my extremely cynical nature. Um, (laughs) One of the other examples you had there was about robots in, I think you used the examples of hotels. Now, I had a trip over to Paris for a client a couple of weeks ago, and at King's Cross, there was a robot there, which you could talk to to get information about, I don't know, what platform your train was leaving from and all that not true ai because i i'm assuming i didn't talk to it it'd been pre-filled with information i would assume or it can access a database anyway Mm -hmm. now the robot itself there's two things firstly the robot itself was designed to look like a robot which i thought was it made me cringe basically it was Mm kind of like i I don't know it was it was too try hard secondly I, I sat down by this thing for about half an hour. I was waiting for the uh, the Eurostar to come. Not a single person approached and talked to this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that is, again, is that because in the UK we're lagging behind the likes of, I don't know, Japan or something? Or is it something cultural? Or uh, what? what's your kind of thoughts on that? I think it is cultural. And again, I talk in the book about Japan and the, you know, the East where they don't have this kind of master-slave approach to technology, which I believe we have in the UK and in other parts of of Europe. I think we're quite scared of technology, you know, for the ordinary layperson. And I feel, again, we we started off this podcast talking about timeframes. It's still a little bit early and the media hasn't helped because the media, the late Stephen Hawking, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, the general press fill us with the horror stories of all of the movies, the Hal, the Terminator. 
So when we see something like that, I think where we either think it's a bit stupid and gimmicky or we think it's quite fearful, whereas I think it's much more prolific in, say, Japan. And they have spirituality and a different sort of approach to their technology where it almost has a soul. So I think there's a long way to go in deciding, you know, why does it need to be a robot? Why can't it just be a pod? Why right. can't it just be, you know, the kind of like a kiosk that we're used to going yes. to to collect our tickets from a virgin train? So again, back to our badging AI and being quite gimmicky and jumping on the bandwagon, people are thinking, let's put that ro- robot there and it will be amazing. Actually, no, it's perhaps mm. a little bit early and it's a bit too gimmicky. So, you know, uh, I think the, the kind of tool, the format it's presented to us is quite important. Actually, there's masses of AI, which is just embedded into software programs. It doesn't have mm. to be in the format of a, of, a, of, a, of a robot, for example. No, exactly. And this thing looked like something out of, of Buck Rogers. I mean, yeah. I'm old enough to remember Buck Rogers <laughs> in the 80s. It was like the robot in that. It was it was awful. Yeah. And I had the same thing. Why does it need to look like that? It, it, it was obviously putting people off. And then the other end of the spectrum, where when it's looking like a human, it's creepy. Yes, absolutely. Again, you know, probably not the next few years, maybe five, you know, more of the kinds of robots in our office environments that do look like human beings. And you walk up to the reception desk of a bank's um, or any kind of organization's reception and, you know, you're greeted by a human looking AI. Again, I think that will mm. freak us out initially. But one of the people in my book talks about AI as that drug you've not yet tasted. And once you get a flavor of it, you're going to want more and more and more. So it's just being yeah. out of your comfort zone. And that's where we are still. We're still rooted in our comfort zones. Yeah, very much so. So when it comes to marketing communications and, and PR specifically, what are the, some of the kind of use cases for AI? And do you have any examples of, of tools that specifically we should be looking for? Or is that too specific at this stage? There are some. Yeah, there are. I mean, again, being completely honest, my book was written sort of six months ago. It takes time for it to be properly produced by Kogan Page. So today there are more tools on the market than the ones Mm -hmm. in my book. But there are some great examples in my book. So I talk about Concurred and Curiously. Um, So Curiously, Q-R-I-O-U-S-L-Y is an AI market research tool. I use them with a client. I use them in the book for some research. So they're using AI to sort of disrupt the traditional market research um, sector, which is a big part of public relations. You know, we do a lot of surveys for press content material. There are lots of tools, Conversica and others. There are tools for, for example, identifying what the best headline is is in an email which is all to do with, you know, predictive analytics and crunching that data and working out what really resonated with people. You know, which headline should you actually be using? Yep. All kinds of examples. You've obviously got um, people be, be familiar with Salesforce. Yep. You know, you've got Einstein, which is CRM with AI. So, you know, there are many, many examples. I would refer people to the big innovation Center. I work with, as I mentioned, the all-party parliamentary group and the Big Innovation Center produced a chart for 2018 with all of the top AI companies there. And then about three weeks ago, CB Insights produced an overview of the latest AI tools. And marketing and sales is actually one of the 
kind of big dominant job functions for usage of AI. Okay, so for the next bit of this podcast, I am going to play devil's advocate a bit because I know from talking to people that's the way of a lot of people are thinking at the moment. So you referred earlier to Gartner's hype cycle, and you know you, you rightly pointed out that everything's sort of approaching the peak of inflated expectations. Do you think that a lot of this stuff is about hype? I mean, do people really need to bother with tracking this stuff and trying to get to know it yet? They definitely do. There has been hype for a few years. There is still some hype. What we're not recommending, what I am not recommending, is everyone's got to go out now and invest in chatbots. Everybody's got to go out now and buy every AI tool on the market for market research, for all these different facets of their work. But what people do need to do is to consider where they want to be as a company. Because if you think of, again, go back to Gartner, think of Gartner's innovators, laggards. If you are comfortable where you're at in your market sector and you're confident that your competitors are not taking advantage of new generation technologies for competitive advantage, if you're confident someone can't come in and take away your business because of that, then sit tight, don't do anything. But most mm -hmm. of us are not in that luxurious position of saying that. So what I'm really saying is the world is changing fast. AI can be used to automate, which means it's productive, which means it can save you money, which means it can add value to customers. And if you don't offer it, they'll go somewhere else for it. And if you want to be at the cutting edge and have competitive advantage, you need to be agile and you need to innovate. And not many sectors are going to be unscathed by AI. Okay. So you've talked there about how AI can be used to sort of automate processes and, and things. The second point I would argue on would be that people increasingly want to feel, for want of a better word, loved, respected by the brands that they buy from. I think there's a big kickback at the moment against a lot of the automation and the technology that is being used. Don't you think that all of this automation coming, all of this artificial intelligence is going to lead to further erosion of trust between the people who employ that and the people who they're trying to sell to from a marketing sense? And isn't it just going to lead to more spam and destroy that whole human connection stuff? No, I don't think so. There is a danger that if, again, if we don't look after people's data, if we spam too much, but we, we don't need AI to do that. You know, we could carry on doing that very badly and uh, making our clients very unhappy and losing their trust. That's been happening for years with social media. Give you an example. I was I spoke yesterday at a conference uh, for Richmond events, and in my group were BT, LV, the insurance company, and many many other brands. And the example that the BT guy gave, and he wasn't selling to anybody. I was the one pitching and doing the selling. I was talking. He was in the audience, and he was saying, you know, what the AI can do with the call centers is massively reduce all of the white noise. When you ring in to somebody like BT and you've got all those thousands of operatives sitting there taking your calls, the AI can be trained to do that and to reduce the number of routine queries that those call center operatives have to do. That means that when someone really does need proper help, 
it can be escalated to one of those people and they can add true value. And that's the same um, Mark from Royal Bank of Scotland talks about that in my book with, with a, in a banking environment. We can use AI to do the grunt work and we should therefore be able to give clients the proper service and products that they need when they need them rather than having them waiting and lost in the system or, or never, ever given exactly what they need. So there is, it's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, the technology is making all of this possible. Whether we choose to use it properly or whether we choose to abuse it is really at the heart of what you're getting at there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the best examples that I've seen of, of this kind of stuff in action, or the most obvious maybe, is Google Duplex, which I have just read is being rolled out in America. I'll put a, a link in the show notes to this. But it's an AI system, a machine learning system that basically will make phone calls for you. And the examples they've used in their promotional videos and at their conferences are just astounding. It, it astounds me when I watch this stuff. So it'll be interesting to see sort of where that comes along in the in the near future. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. And that's, you know, those awkward phone calls, the language barriers, you know, all of that. Yeah. But again, I also heard from people yesterday who were experiencing AI and had invested in it and, uh, you know, an AI assistant that makes calls and books your meetings and clients were getting really fed up with it because it was just not doing it properly. Yeah. And I wished when I was writing my book that I had been able to find a decent uh, voice to speech recognition tool. It would have saved me hundreds of hours of time and that again that is 60% accurate so it's early with some of these tools and that's why I say you've got to do your due diligence invest wisely because some of this is a little bit new and is still the kinks need to be sort of ironed out a little bit so you Mm. know in some instances it, it needs a little bit more time yeah it's interesting you say about voice to text actually only last week, I voice typed a whole article was a document for a client while I was cooking dinner for the kids. <laughs> and it was brilliant. Was it? Okay. It took some tweaking at the end, obviously. I didn't expect it to be perfect, but I was able to effectively write a document while I was cooking dinner for the for the kids, which was pretty amazing. Fantastic. And it's evolved so quickly, isn't it? So each week, you know, it's getting better and better. Absolutely. And I'd noticed again this week. Google has now rolled out its speech prediction to to Gmail, which, again, I've been using on the computer for a long time and is is really, really good. So it is evolving quickly and it's it's something very much to watch. I can't wait for that proper ability where, you know, technology is an assistant to us and can do all of the things that whether it is the car, whether it is the groceries, where it is, you know, dictating our emails, writing our reports. For me, that that's amazing. And I can't wait for that to come. Yeah, absolutely. So where is the best place that people can kind of keep up with what is going on, other than obviously reading your book to start with? <laughs> It's a really good question. I look at AI marketing news every day just through a simple Google search. I track what the key analysts are doing, the PwCs, the Gartners. I read the marketing press. I listen to podcasts like yours, Paul, you know, looking out for the latest books, checking what the Lord Select Committee are doing. There's no one single source. It's about being smart at marketing and PR is about being resourceful. So knowing 
where to find great information you know whether that's setting yourself up with a google alert or you know just knowing yeah a bit like the old rss feeds knowing what the kind of top 10 you know resources are for you so keep out keep a lookout for some of the people you and i have both mentioned on this podcast and check them out on linkedin and look at their activity and look at who's sharing what but be quite discerning because there's also a lot of uh hype and puffery you know everybody <laughs> calling themselves a digital expert and now everybody wants to be an ai expert so yeah. uh, be a bit discerning in who you follow totally okay well listen that's been a really interesting chat and thank you so much for making time to talk to me where can people get hold of you if they would like to talk to you further thank you so so it's katie at zudikers.com so k-a-t-i-e at zudikers z-o-o-d-i-k-e-r-s.com i'm katie e king on twitter and katie king zudikers on facebook and on instagram um, or just check out my website aiinmarketing.com fantastic well good luck with the book i think it's, it's great to have it out there and um yeah thank you again for your time thank you very much paul great show and i'll speak to you soon you can get 20% off Katie King's new book using artificial intelligence in marketing by entering the discount code AIMarketing20 at koganpage.com forward slash AI hyphen in hyphen marketing. That's AIMarketing20 at koganpage.com forward slash AI hyphen in hyphen marketing. Go and do it. It's a fantastic book. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you've got any ideas for future topics you'd like to see covered, or people you'd like to hear from, contact me on Twitter, where I'm at the Paul Sutton. Thank you for listening.